I'm Sonia Morton Firth, and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today, I'm live in deeper Somerset with my guest, Nick Goldsmith. Nick is a Royal Marine Commando veteran. After 11 years in service, including four brutal tours of Afghanistan, he was medically discharged, suffering with complex PTSD. His love of the outdoors and woodland environment led him to start Hidden Bushcraft Valley, where he built upon a woodland area, creating a self-made retreat. This interview gives some great insights into how a veteran transitions into civilian life, building on a dream and supporting others through his recovery. Nick, thank you so much. I was going to say thank you so much for being a guest on my show, but I'm actually a guest here in this beautiful, in your beautiful woodlands here in Hidden Bushcraft Valley. Nick, Please tell me more about this. Tell me how did, well, how did this all start? This is absolutely and and just for everybody that's listening, we're, it's probably one of the hottest days of the year. We've got a beautiful roaring campfire, and I'm sat or we're sat under a parachute yeah. in the middle of the most amazing woodlands. We are pretty lucky, actually. I we're think, absolutely I think blessed. Now that now that you've just given it yeah. such a, a good intro. Um, yeah, we are. I mean, the, the parachute plays a, a key, important role. It, it acts as a, obviously a sunshade uh, and a shade from the elements, but um, it also gives our little kind of, as you've just described, our campfire area, a bit of a ceiling and a bit of a kind of, a, it, it is essentially an outdoor classroom and it's also where a lot of our therapeutic courses take place. It's that central point that gives it that main camp feel um, but without being permanent in any way, you know, it's, it's a very light touch on the land. It's just at the end of the day, it's a big silk canopy, isn't it? So it's amazing. It creates a great setting. Mm. How did you, I mean, where did you get the idea for this, uh, to create this I don't retreat? think there, there was an idea. That's a really good question. There was an idea initially at some point in the process, but to get to that idea, there had to be a whole bunch of other stuff that happened organically yeah. first to then allow myself to have that idea to then actually go off on a, on a specific mission to create this space. But you must yeah. have always loved living outdoors, being in always, the outdoors. Always, always. I can remember being, I don't know how young, five, six, seven, eight, whether I was out traipsing across the fields with a fishing rod to go fishing on mm -hmm. a local farm, <laughs> a bit older, uh, shooting rabbits with, a, with an air rifle and then being shown by my granddad how to um, how to skin it and gut it, and, and being forced to eat the rabbit instead of rabbit spaghetti. Rabbit pie? Well, everyone else had spaghetti bolognese, and I had to eat the rabbit as my Aww. lesson, as my lesson for taking the life of an animal. I had to then learn, so which is a fair lesson to learn. Yeah, so my French is. grandfather made me get out of the garage and do the business and remove the jacket and gut it, and you know, it was a bit, but um, you then have a lot more respect for, for how that, you see that end state from start to finish. So the outdoors for me was always, uh, a constant learning learning playground. It was a, I mean, I've always said frustration and failure are your two biggest teachers, okay? So whether you're falling out of trees <laughs> or whether you're uh, burning yourself or coming back with no eyebrows from a campfire or whatever it is, you know, you, you have to go through those processes to truly get good at what it is you do. As long as you've got that burning passion, you'll keep going back at it no matter how many times you fall off the horse. I love it. 
So, so basically, what you're saying, this was a burning passion. There was a dream oh, there complete, that you completely that, that you actually made happen. And I think as I grew that 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 yearn for the outdoors. So I grew up in East Sussex, and uh, and yeah, I played lots of rugby, and I had, you know, I didn't go to private school or anything like that, but but I I worked hard and um, probably not so much at school, but on the rugby pitch. And I thought rugby was going to be the, initially, that was going to be the career. And I spent all my weekends, if I wasn't playing rugby, I'd be down the woods. That then turned into, well, why don't I just put the physicality and the loving the outdoors together and I'll join the Royal Marines, you know, kind of Was it in your family? Was there anyone in your family in my the, that served? My grandfather or? was a, a tail gunner in a uh, Wellington and then in a Lancaster um, and finished up as a W01 in the RAF during World War II. Um, I mean, we're, we're sat here. Who would normally be sat around this campfire? <laughs> to say everyone and anyone. If I gave you a snapshot pre-COVID. Yes. Pre-COVID. This is all before okay. this. Yes. So we're talking pre-COVID now. A Monday morning would look like down here you would have toddlers, mums and dads. This would be toddler group. And from the cabin, we'd be, you'd have all the teas and coffees, biscuits, all set up rusks everything and kids would be playing all over the slopes and in different parts of the woodland they'd be everywhere for a couple of hours on a monday morning and then monday afternoon would be my my pretty much my equivalent of a weekend tuesday wednesday thursday the kindergarten is in full swing so again you've got three to five year olds two qualified teachers myself and louise on site yeah. and that's all happening Fridays uh, would be um, generally either a corporate day for a corporate group coming mm. down, um, maybe doing the whole kind of fire making, archery, pulling water out the river, purifying it, you know, challenges, lots of kind yes. of outdoor wilderness living skill stuff, but very subtly stitched together as team building. So I'm bringing them together and they have a challenge at the end and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, Saturday, Sundays could be uh, veteran volunteers coming down to help me. I could be running a Woodland Warrior program. Um, tell me about the Woodland Warrior Programme, because this is okay. something that, that's sort of quite recent, right? It, it, yeah, in terms of its official CIC status, okay. yeah. But it's something we just did for as long as I was in the recovery centre. It was always a thing. You know, I'd always have a mate who'd want to come down the woods with me and spend the day doing something. And, and, and it's not like I wasn't, I didn't have enough jobs to do, you know, whether I'm just cutting and digging stumps or building a new table or making a new set of stairs or something there's always a job so they'd come and help you basically so they'd just come and help us and we'd okay. have the kettle on we'd cook lunch over the fire Great. it's just a day out you know but but i'm getting that that i'm getting that that help physically mm. in the lab but it's also you're mentally bouncing off each other you know it's kind of a it's just the best environment to be in quite frankly and at what point i guess did you realize that it actually was helping the veterans with probably what they'd been through and what they'd seen serving? I would say only when people started verbalising it. I mean, I can pick up on auto cues and I can read people and that's my job is to do that stuff around the campfire and help steer people. But until somebody actually sat me down and went, mate, you realise this has saved my life. And I was wow. like, what? You this know. has saved my life. Yeah, and that, for that person to then say, yeah, I was really thinking of, you know, that was it. Um, what do you say to that? You know, I was just blown away, really. Just, oh, right, okay. And that, that process has now played out many times. And then, but it's not just from coming here, it's then for me having the tool set to then be able to say to them, look, I've been where you've been and 
did you know these guys can help and these guys can help and this is what I did. This isn't necessarily what's going to work for you, mm. but and it's not an easy journey, but you can do this. Uh, and yeah, and if you, maybe it's a combination of, of, of <laughs> my persistence and maybe it's a combination of this environment, but whatever it is, they go away and they act on it. Well, that's you know. definitely both. It's a very, it's got a magical feel to it, but yeah. also you're in a place that feels, I guess, safe. It's safe. Safe yeah. would be a yeah. good word. And, and like you said, the campfire surroundings must open people it's, up. Uh, it's been described as a womb-like. Really? Yeah, <laughs> it's like I a can green feel tunnel. it. It's like I a little green it. tunnel in here. Yeah, so, um, you know, you, you're not actually, if you really think about it, a million miles off of society in the beaten track, but everywhere you look right now, it's just a wall of green. Um, and it's about helping them to see within that wall of green, all of the things that we, we would have known, or ancestors would have known for sure. You know, it's not just a green bush. It's, oh, well, that's medicine, food, poison, avoid. That's, you know, and you can kind of, you start to look at everything. I'd describe it like the matrix. And you offer everything from cooking, as I understand it. <laughs> everything. Uh, around the campfire, making things, building things. Micro-expeditions. Micro-expeditions. Wow. Yeah, so I get CEOs who want to get away from it. So not just the corporate team building sending a team, but actually the CEO themselves might say, look, I need a weekend away. I need a couple of days away from everything just to recalibrate or we've got some big changes happening in our business getting that perspective getting that time away from having your business under your own nose to just oh it's a great it's a great way to sort of it's, it's like let go and actually recharge the batteries but also mentally recharge completely probably go back into so a they'll state. they'll start here they'll do a bit of sort of training with me and then it'll be rucksack on and i'll take them on the jaunt all the way around the valley all the kind of best best places to go, you know, the falling waterfalls, the lake, the ancient stone circles, the Iron Age hill fort up on the 25 mile view. You can see to Wales. Yeah, it's amazing. The now, when we walk down here, it's, I mean, the, the countryside yeah. is breathtaking. Yeah, it really is. But now you, you're branching out a little bit further, aren't you? We are. Now that are. COVID, now we're coming, just coming out the other side. Mm. How's that going to change the Woodland Warrior program? The really good question. Is that, is that <laughs> organic? progression yes. um, so obviously providing stuff for veterans who are notoriously can be a difficult group to work with can be quite closed stigma there's a lot of stigma that, that, that used to be there that is breaking you know is steadily breaking up but still exists do you take all veterans because presumably there's 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 a lot of um, veterans that have lost limbs yeah, uh, and I know that's something we we discussed. we're working very hard. Um, so the field, I've made a big fuss about the field in my social media, mm. has been an ongoing project since about February last year when we took it on. It is now table flat once it's just been cut. So the day before I was, I'd be running a course for those guys. Now uh, we've had Blessma down and Help Heroes, and they've come and had a look round, right. etc. Yeah. Um, I would have the cut, the grass cut the day before, so it said it's optimal shortness yeah. and it and the field has been you know scarified and raked and, and moved around and it's 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 brilliant it is as flat as it's going to get um and you've got that river frontage to it and i've actually built a second camp like this in the field oh, wow. deliberately for those guys so wheelchair bound veterans will yes. now have access to bushcraft and all the rest of it in the same way that everybody else does up here on the slope up on the camp to go a step further um thinking about um, below knee amputee and above ampu uh, knee amputee um, kind of veterans, we're trying to implement changes to the main camp here 
to make that more friendly. I can't change the lay of the land. I can no, move, no, I can move that, tons of earth and I can work yeah, like a Trojan, but at the end of the day... God, which would make me... Yeah, exactly. exactly. There, there are limitations to what I can do. But equally, you know, it's not about making it completely easy because this is about a challenge for them mm. and, and about them realising what they can do again. And that must be a really important point. And I was going to ask you about this. How did it feel from you coming out of the military? And, and, and I'd like to talk more about that in a sure. bit. How did it feel transitioning into civilian life? having almost had an identity um, crisis as a more, yeah I mean how did it really affect you I mean it affected me in so much as because physically I look like I'm in a one condition it's very hard and that kind of feeds into the way that things work up here <laughs> makes it worse almost um, but equally having friends who have lost arms and legs and things um, you know, that everybody struggles. Everybody struggles with the imposter syndrome. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're That's a professional so sports so athlete, whether you're a, a professional elite soldier, whether you're a special force, whatever, everybody absolutely gets the imposter syndrome. Yeah. People come on the course, having signed up to be on the course, and start to struggle with the whole, somebody else has just told their story on the campfire, and they, in their head they're going, oh God, I've never been through anything like that. Mm. That's nowhere mm. near as bad as my story. I'm now not going to share anything. So one of the first things I do is I bring that up as part of the course. I will lead to start with and then slowly just wind back and wind back. And they, hopefully if I'm doing my job, they don't notice I'm winding back and then they're coming to the fore. That's how that works. So, so it's, yeah. Um, um, were you drawing on your experiences as well? I mean, you... Almost certainly every single course, I have to draw my own experience because it, it would be wrong for me to tell someone else's story in order to try and help someone because that's not my it it doesn't come out it's weird I describe it as that conversation that goes on between two people that's happening without the actual words it's got to come from within you to be able to empower someone to to take control of their own life or to make a decision or whatever it is the wording is key but not as key as as the as the genuine empathy and the genuine passion that you're installing into someone to to, to help lift them up and help them go on to to achieve their goals or whatever it is that they want to do or make that change you know I always say there's no change without change <laughs> so so actually on that point I talking about that. your experiences can I take you back to your military days yeah uh, you did four tours of Afghanistan I did yeah what point were you or, or uh, did you I guess what was the biggest challenge and darkest moment for you before you were diagnosed with PTSD? A mixture of two things, and I'd say first and last for this reason. First tour, I definitely knew after getting injured and being sent back to the UK and then starting to do the coffin bearer duties that something had changed in me. The coffin bearer duties, tell, tell me about that. So essentially, and almost inevitably, in any conflict, not everyone's going to come home. And having been injured, I got sent back to the UK, had a knee operation. And by miracle, I don't know how, I hadn't been hit with anything. People had been hit left and right of me, but I hadn't been hit with anything. But in getting into cover, I jumped across an irrigation ditch, creamed in with all this kit on in 50 degree heat and all the rest of it, and just, just wrecked my knee. And I, it's still a problem now, but I wrecked my knee and uh, I severed my posterior cruciate ligament. I, Put a big contusion over the top of my shin bone and um, I'd split the cartilage and I'd, I'd very, just basically got away with that 
without breaking my leg, I'd kind of done loads of soft tissue damage and stuff inside the knee, and it just meant I couldn't soldier for the rest of the tour. Absolutely beside myself that I had to leave the lads to continue the tour. And for me, that was that. I then had to go back to the UK, back to a home unit, which was, you know, there's only a handful of guys left behind, basically. There's either the brand new guys who've just finished training, who yeah. have come to the unit, who are keen and want to get out there and get amongst it. And then there are guys who are broken, who are coming back. And then there are those who come back who never come back. And so it's generally falls to the, the at the time, the base company, the, the, the chaps who are left behind there to organize, run, facilitate and oversee the, um, the funerals. So you're looking for coffin bearers, you're looking for lads in uniform to carry yeah. the coffins. For me, the power of hindsight, it's a difficult one because, and I've said this a few times, anybody who asks you, who, you know, who, who wants to carry the coffin, take one step forward or, you know, what, you're going to throw yourself in for it every single time yeah. because that's, you know, with the survivor's guilt thing that, that should be you in your mind at the time. And, uh, you know, they've got, they've got wives and kids and all the rest of it. Yeah. And I was a single young man or relatively single young man at the time. In my head, I'd completely broken free of any relationships that I had going at the time. I was, I was in a bad way. And, um, by comparison to someone who had a house and a wife and kids and all the rest of it, you know, it's just wasn't the same. I so found that extremely you were almost hard. Devaluing your own life. Oh, completely, completely didn't. I uh, did not care for myself at all. Okay. And um, and so you go and you carry the coffin, but but it's you know it's a. They arrive at Lynham, and you do the first process, which is carrying the coffin off. And it's very hard, uh, and you put put the the body into the um into the hearse and it, it's right in front of the family you know it's, it's kind of the first time it really hits home for them as extremely stressful time and um and then you do you do a couple of practice runs with a practice coffin in between that and then to make sure that everything is absolutely military precision you know all your movements and it's quite heavy and it's a varnished box and you've got white gloves on and you don't want to slip or you know yeah um and all the words of command to make sure that everything happens as it should do to, to give that person the very best respectful send off that you possibly could. So, so we, you know, we practice and practice and practice. And then you'd have the day of the race, the funeral, and you'd see all the family again. And, and, and all these little nuances and things would happen that would just stay with you as much as the stuff that happened on the ground did or does. So I remember being tapped on the shoulder and spun round by some poor lady who thought I looked like one of the lads oh. who was in the box for a split second mm, yes yeah. and that really stayed with me just these little yeah. things that another person told me it's okay because your career now their their son's career now you know you continue you continue and that and it was just it was meant as a lovely thing but it, it well i hate to hit by place. tour number operational deployment number six and the wheels were falling off i didn't want to give up or hang it up because i couldn't because i'd be letting that person down yeah. see how these things are all yeah, connected yeah, and it, it is very very hard so fast forward to tour number afghan tour number four, four. operational deployment number six i'm i'm then completely fried burnt out done don't know it Overtraining, living on black coffee just absolute monster i could i could run forever i could climb a rope forever i could punch bag forever i could lift weights i could because I didn't care. I was doing it all completely free of my own 
welfare. I did not care. You didn't care whether you lived or died? No, you, you get into a very nasty uh, mindset, you know, in seven months with no R&R, &R, that last tour was just the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And what was that last moment um, that, that did break? We, we had, well, there was, there was a series of things that started happening on, on, that were, had been happening for a long time. There was kind of um, what you call a dissociative episode. So I'd, I'd been drinking between the tours and stuff mm. and, and losing periods of time and acting like a complete lunatic and then not knowing what happened the next day, completely just becoming someone else. So, so drink's not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you just had to like, because it's that, that raw stuff that's stored in your limbic system that's, that's coming out to the fore once, once you're obviously full of toxicity, that's of what happens. The brain, out, yeah. brain switches off, other brain kicks in, I'll save us. And of course, whatever's in that chimp, in that raw box, it's not good. No, you're, yeah, you're going back to your chimp brain, as so you, you, are, as yeah. you say. And, yeah. and, and that data is only uploaded into that chimp brain during times of fight or flight. Now, if you've got loads of things that have happened and none of it's really been talked about, sorted, you weren't sleeping correctly at the time, it's all just building and building and building in this big box of bother that you're carrying around. And suddenly it's coming up, you've had a few drinks, and it's one too many. And then and it, it starts to spill over into your conscious world. Yeah. And that's when you start hearing and seeing things that aren't there. Mm. And that paranoia just gets to a point. And, and this is where we start to see people really just yeah. falling off the scale. Yeah. So, so it can be worked on and it can be improved on. I'm not going to say it's a magic fix. I'm not going to say that coming in the woods gives you a magic wand. But you've got to find that thing that you truly love to do. And you've got to get hold of it and go with it. Would you say that was the main thing that got you through? I would 100% say to anyone who served with me on that last tour, when I was having panic attacks and I was wired up the way I was, it became more and more evident. I couldn't hide it anymore. And it wasn't just a case of on a night out, somebody might say, he's not, why is he crying? What's up, what's up yeah. to him? You know, sort of thing. It would be, it would be, I'd, I sat upright in the bed and um, <laughs> all it was was somebody had kicked their leg out. You, you know, when you're training hard, mm -hmm. you get those weird, involuntary muscle oh, movements spasm and spasms, yeah, 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 in the middle yeah. of the night. So somebody had just struck the plasterboard wall that I was, I was sleeping end on. So my head is here, the plasterboard wall is here. They were sleeping long ways on this wall further up. And he'd kind of just, his ankle bone must have just caught the wall or whatever. But in my head, I heard the bang and I felt the crunch and the heat and the air displacement off a big bang of a like fast air from 2008 memory. Mm. And so I sat up in the bed in 2008 14 and thought that we were being overrun yeah. so i put my butt slid over put my body armor on unclipped my helmet put that on my head picked up the general purpose machine gun with the 2000 rounds and all the rest of it and started running out the door to go and make my final stand and everyone else in the room has sat up and they, the two lads grabbed me as i was on my way out the door and were like what are you doing crazy man and i'm like didn't you hear it absolutely face transported with passion did you not hear it it's happening you know we've been overrun Mate, there's nothing going on. They made me go and stand outside in the courtyard. And it was just silent. It's this amazing, purest night sky with no light pollution, the calmest of nights looking out into desert. There's nothing going on. But and I thought then I was worried for myself. I was like, what's going on? You know. And that was there, that was in Afghanistan. That was in so Afghanistan, yeah. I guess that there is a point of saying, well, you could have been under attack. 
Well, it was it, it was a, it was at a difficult state. Yeah, we were in a tiny little location in that particular instance, and sharing, you know, there's like forty of us and like five hundred of the indigenous personnel from that country, mm. and we're overseeing training and stuff for them. And it's a, it's a kind of a very fluid relationship. And the only thing that separates us from them is a piece of corrugated iron, and it's like two football fields large, our entire compound, mm. and you're stuck in there for seven months. It's like doing prison almost. <laughs> it's not like you could just go for a roam outside the wire. I mean, yeah. there were times when you could go out and you can go out for a run or play football on the, you might play against them, play, play football or volleyball with them, but you're in a war zone and you need to, you need to respect that. So. so coming out of that war zone and then back in England, how did you know you were still suffering? I mean, were other things setting? Because I can understand noises setting you off there in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, was, definitely. Is there any symptoms that you get when you hear? Almost certainly. And things were things were so much worse. And this still can be quite bad, but it depends on sleep and how kind I've been to myself and all that kind of stuff now. Um, and I've also had the benefit of a couple of years worth of EMDR treatment and CBT and NLP. And I've, I've kind of thrown everything at myself to That's interesting. To how, how, many, how long did it take you to sort of recuperate peel myself off the ceiling yeah yeah <laughs> um so go back to 2014 there was an incident and the officer in charge there was killed and this is a person that i'm interacting with daily um now i'm in a logistical role this time and to go back to what you said about using my experiences mm. i might be sat in front of somebody who maybe wasn't a frontline soldier who was who was in the soldier who was in the chain because of course it takes 11 people behind the scenes to put one person kicking the door in at the end and I've, I've, I would say I had the benefit in my career of playing a couple of those different roles. And so I'm able to use those experiences to help, help those kind of people. Mm. But, but losing the boss and, and a couple of other lads got shot up quite badly. And, and even though I wasn't on the job with them, it still really affected me, really affected me. And the, the psych nurse was then deployed and it was the first time I'd ever seen one in theatre. Psych nurse. Yeah. Yeah. As in the psyche. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, as in the psychiatric nurse. Yeah. So she came out and, and, and was brilliant. Um and sat us all down and we all had we all had to have a mini interview. And I'm thinking at this time, I'm in a back foot role, I'm I'm the chef, I'm I'm sorting out feeding strength. Uh I've got seven Afghans working underneath me every single day, uh, and I'm sorting out all their kind of when they go home and all the kind of logistical role yeah. mainly. Yeah. Um I stay in this forward position. I don't get to go on the jobs and do that stuff because mm. I'm now, this is my role. I get to jump in and, and do the training serials and take them and teach them going through the killing house and stuff. And I, you know, I'd still do the, some soldiering bits, but only when these guys are away and there's no one else to do it. I then step up and jump in and fit backfill those roles. And that's very much how that unit worked. Um, and again, that brings about complications because if you've just spent all day showing people how to go around corners, firing across the front of each other into targets. And, and it's, you know, you're doing it at full pace and you've got all the gear on and all the rest of it. That is replicating all of the juices. Yeah, that's going to set you off. That's going to... Totally. Yeah. So what did the psych nurse ask you to determine that you, you know, you were suffering? I've racked my brains for years since trying to think about how, because I would have been very closed and protective. Mm. For whatever reason, I gave her the truth, and I, I still can't to this day tell tell you the exact question or the exact answer. But I know I pretty much was bubbling on, crying or falling apart. And she said, "I tell you what, I'll let you finish the tour if you promise to come see me back in the UK." I promised her I would, and I'd stand on that. 
So I did. I went back, got back to the UK from Bridgenor and handed all handed in my weapons, all the rest of it, got okayed to go and leave, went via her office, went and spoke to her. She asked me all of three more questions. Do you remember the questions? I just remember it was something like, and how did that make you feel being yeah. part of it? Because for a long time, I was really aversive to it. And how did that make you feel? Because I'd be like, oh. and, and how did that make you feel? <laughs> oh, it, it just cut, it cut me in half. It just cut me in half. And I just started crying. I was completely broken. And, and rightly so, she was like, right, go and take all your leave. Um, I'll be in touch and, and the process just went from there that then led into subsequently quite a long period of leave uh, I've spoken about that on in other podcasts and things uh, then then led me into the recovery center for just under four years naval recovery service center four years of recovery <laughs> yeah wow yeah well, I, I mean pretty broken mate I was oh. what did you do in four years sorry Nick because you, you know. to start with I used to go to the gym with my water bottle my wallet uh, my id card and um uh, all I'd have to do is turn up at 8 30 every morning in the gym you would not believe how hard that is to do when you can't wake up properly on time you oversleep you undersleep you overeat you undereat you're all over the place you'll be up really intensively the night before till four or five in the morning completely on one about something and then then just not wake up till like 11 it totally it's, it's such a it to describe it it's like your brain is like a garage full of starlings <laughs> just going everywhere can you actually recall it can you remember yeah. the four years or yeah i mean almost certainly the first year was just intensively physically rehabbing as well because i had loads of mechanical injuries i'd just been completely ignoring uh, and the knee was always a was always there, and the kicker was in the last year I had it operated on again. <laughs> it's just I knew it was coming, and it was trashed. So they said, "Look, you're going to be discharged from military service. Take the operation now, get it done whilst you're in," uh, which I did. So yeah. I guess you're coping with firstly being discharged and 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 knowing that the military was your career for so many years. Yeah, yeah. Then obviously the physical injuries. And now not being in in tune with your your mind, yeah, well, letting that's, your mind run you actually is, that, is probably that's more the like thing, it. and that's and that's what can happen. So it's about finding and using and implementing those techniques to be able to keep yourself on the straight and narrow and be able to operate the business to try and survive, etc. What te techniques sort of stand out for you that they? taught you that, that maybe you would think okay if anyone was watching this these would be good I techniques. remember doing so many sessions on um, we did one where there was a balloon in the room and they were gonna they had a pin just watching the pin and the guy with the balloon and he walked around behind everybody so you now anticipating a bang and a bit of air displacement I mean, not then, uh, little okay. children are scared I mean there's three, two things that you were born <laughs> fears loud noises as well right. and the fear of falling is the other so one of the things that they then asked you was how how How's your pain, your physical pain from naught to whatever? And there's guys in the room with bad backs and all kinds of stuff going on. And they, or everyone recorded as much higher. And that was to teach you that when you're in emotional pain, your physical pain is perceived to be much higher as well. Mm. So it might be you're really moaning about your, your knee or your leg or whatever it is. Actually, there might be more going on there. And, yeah. and you need to not stop, but like do something to be really kind to yourself. So if I know if I'm not firing correctly, the first thing I do is communicate. Okay, stop, talk. Yeah. Okay, so, so tell Louise, mm. I'm, not, I'm not firing on all cylinders. My brain's completely gone here. I am going to struggle. Uh, what do we do? Okay, cancel that meeting. Da, da, da. Book in a massage. Go for a swim. Do, do whatever you can. 
now COVID, I find myself up to my neck in the river <laughs> in a quiet spot surrounded by cows. <laughs> just, <laughs> Probably the best place just, to be, just, to be honest. Well, I'm sure just, it was. You it? know, finding, finding a way to kind of to chill and scale back. I might just spend the night down here next to the campfire in my little safe space. Yeah. Whatever it is, I'll, I'll, or I might pick up something and start carving. It's another carving project. I'll implement the outdoor skill set, the natural time-tested processes. You know, it's well-known cold water works. There's, there's hundreds of people out there on the internet right now. You've got Wim Hof, who's like... Bin Hof. Or, or, Bin Hof, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's he's, doing yeah, that Yeah, they're all doing the Wim Hof stuff. Okay, so, so yeah, I've got the river. Yeah. So it doesn't get right, any better so than that. It doesn't get any better. Um, so it's all these kind of things, and it's just working out what works for you mm. and, and, and tuning, tuning that in and making it work for you. A lot of people say, well, I live in a city and there's no possible way that I could do any of that kind of... And I... I implore people to think of ways, think outside the box to, 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 to introduce a bit of nature. Yeah. yeah, you know, go to Richmond Park. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I live on the, in a beautiful part deer of London. in Richmond Park. Oh, amazing. I was in a, oh, had a walk yesterday and there's baby deer there now. Oh, so you have these encounters, don't stunning. you? And it just makes you think, actually, everything that's going on outside in the real, in the big wide world. Yeah. The only thing that actually really matters is this moment you're in right now, the present moment. Completely. And if you can focus on that, I think, and being grateful, yep. actually. Yep, yep. And thinking about have. all the all the positives yeah. rather than focusing on it. We make more of whatever we've got. Okay, whatever we're thinking about, we choose to focus on, we'll make more of. If you heard that classic, classic story about the young uh, native Indian brave who speaks to his grandfather and he says there's a, there's, a, there's a war going on inside my mind between two wolves. No, please tell. No, 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 says, but it I, sounds an interesting one. And, and, gra and grandfather, I don't know which one will win. And the grandfather says, it's simple. It's whichever one you feed. <laughs> whichever one you choose to feed. Of course. Is going to survive and is going to thrive. It's going to thrive. And it's as simple as that. And it's the same with the mind. You, you feed that negative mind, it's going to take totally. over and go. A lot, of, lot of the stuff I do down here is based around storytelling because our brain has been proven to light up in a different way. So you combine things like storytelling to plant a seed I'm not telling a story about someone. I'm telling a story about something that happened that applies to that person. But they'll then go away and then say, that story you told me, was that about me? And I'll say, no, it was about... Such and such, but yeah. actually it could be you. And they'll go, well, I thought about that. And then it's made me realise this. And I'll yeah. say, all right, okay, so what are you going to do about that now? Planting seed. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Nick, what does the future hold? We're just coming out of COVID. Well, hopefully, lockdown is starting to release, fingers crossed. Where do you sit? Where where is this going? Because I can see I can see a few things around me. Think, things are happening. Okay, I've been I've been keeping the. Well, should we do the big reveal? We should, should we do, do the big. I think bit we, a, I think we need to do get, the big reveal. Get, get one of the cameras to just pan onto yeah, it and back. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll ben will take that over afterwards. I've been keeping this a bit quiet from social media because I've need to focus a hundred percent of myself on it of late. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, it, it's that classic pain pleasure thing it's secretly killing me but i'm also secretly really enjoying it mm. and it will be all the more worth it and it will have all the more impact on people's lives once it's done so for a long time i've had my knackered little cabin in the woods that was built from 240 pounds worth of recycled materials 240 pounds wow of just stuff nobody okay. wanted and that's yeah. including the paint okay and it just sat there in the woods now obviously when we became the kindergarten and uh, we changed all the planning classification so this woodland this whole space is now for the provision of therapeutic activities for veterans and emergency service personnel, for the provision of a uh, for a provision of a woodland kindergarten uh, and and subsequent outdoor activities, and then it's the cabin 
and associated outbuildings, which is the toilet. So, yeah. So the cabin, sadly, is not going to do another winter. After eight winters, I got to the point, and I've made a little video, which I haven't released yet, of me pushing my finger through the holes in the sides, oh, and you definitely. can see the damp on the roof. And a few things I did, I was a bit naive. I made a flat roof. It needs a pitch. When it snowed, the roof nearly came in because of the weight. So yeah. things like that. So I approached the Veterans Foundation and said, I really, really want to be able to provide more from my little site. Okay, we're small but mighty. When I've got people down here who've got terrible backs and things like that, I want to be able to have somewhere that they can have or bring their families an, an experience that is better than just me giving them a camp bed or you know, a hammock or something. So I wanted to use that, that, that cabin, which previously just about I slept in from time to time and you know it's got a little sink and I wanted to make it better, bigger, better, just better in general. So um, we, got, we got a grant from those guys and I am... Right working the angles with loads and loads of local suppliers i can't tell you there's a list of local suppliers from within this area who we are working with to help us everyone from building merchants to That's roofing great. companies to um tool hire to all sorts who have helped to come reduce the price or help us out or do something and i'm going to put a plaque up in there to say thank you to all those companies and businesses to show well, and if you want us to name what. any in the show notes as well we'll put all of that in the show notes as well that, that'd be incredible thank you so yeah. so that's happening um and and we're we're about just over a quarter of the way through the build and and it's wow. exciting so have you got a launch date or have you got a sort of no, well like we're kind it. of we're playing it by covid but um i would like to see this the shell up and most of it in by September. And you're going to be offering this to Keywork World? To, to so the key workers thing is happening locally in our area. There was a local fund available for a CIC, which we are. So we applied and we got it. So we can now provide things for our post office workers who are run off their feet. The local shop owners, the, all the kind of key workers. Everyone that's been affected. Emergency services, yeah. obviously, NHS and the people you'd kind of think of to start with. But then there's also a whole other bunch of key of workers that they're... make that make them the whole machine work right. and they're crying out for some time out so if i can provide the same formula that the veterans get for the rest of the world because we're all only human that'd be amazing oh, and that's going to happen nick i've enjoyed this so much and especially being here and in the nature it's oh. absolutely wonderful thank you very much for coming out to see us we are going to put where can people find out about you more your website okay um and all your social media links in the show notes thank you but i've come to my last question which is which is if you were to write a message in the bottle for future generations to find what would that message be oh <laughs> so many things jumped to my mind i would have to say something that made me giggle recently and i think that maybe some of our younger generations are missing slightly mm. the secret is there is no secret you have to do the work i love it nick thank you so much for being a guest on my show in this beautiful environment <laughs> thank you for being here this is really kind of you Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like, and you'll get it straight into your inbox.